Judges 16, if you found your place, say amen. Let's stand for just a moment, if you will. And uh, look with me, let's start in verse number 4. And it came to pass afterward that he, speaking of Samson, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth. And by what means we may bind him, or by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace upon us, the privilege to be in the house of God this morning, the privilege to be back at Jubilee. And Lord, I could stand here for the rest of my time allotted to me this morning and just thank you for what you have done through the years in my heart and in my life, my family and our church through this meeting. I thank you for the Bible Baptist Church, Pastor Gravely, his family. And Lord, we're looking forward to an eternal week this week. We realize, Lord, unless you come, it'll all be in vain. Please help us make preaching what it ought to be, worship what it ought to be, church what it ought to be. May your will be done in our hearts and lives and we'll thank you for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name we ask and pray it and all God's people said, you can be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. You know what's going on here. I won't take the time to to labor here the life of Samson, but uh, we realize what a unique life it is that we are reading after. That When you study his life, it is a very unique life. To me, I have to scratch my head in amazement at Samson's life because I really don't believe he reached his full potential of what God desired him to be, wanted his life to be for the glory of God. When we come to chapter number 16, this this is a a very familiar passage this morning. And uh, as we look here, uh, the Bible said it came to pass that Afterward, he loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And that's exactly what I'd like to preach on this morning for just a few minutes. Her name is Delilah. Her name is Delilah. For just a moment, I'd like for us to get familiar with her if if we possibly can. First of all, I want us to notice her pleasure. Her pleasure. Delilah, I believe, and I'm just, this is total assumption here. I have no Bible on what I'm fixing to say, so if you want to throw it out, that's fine. But I am under total assumption that she must have been a very beautiful woman. The reason I say that is because anything else that I'm getting ready to say about her as we get to know her, there's nothing good that can be said about her. So if there's anything that must have attracted Samson to her, it had to be her beauty. She must have been a very beautiful woman. But can I say that's how sin is. It is very enticing. It is a very, sin is a very beautiful thing. It's not ugly on the outset. No, it's ugly when it gets finished. But sin on the very outset of things is a very beautiful thing. It is enticing to those that are looking on. And I would say to you and I this morning, the devil knows how to get our attention. There is a Delilah for every person sitting in this auditorium this morning, not just for the men, but also for the women, not just for the adults, but also for the teenagers, and not just for the 
the teens, but also for the children. There is a Delilah forever. And I'm telling you, a Delilah is a very beautiful specimen to look upon this morning. You will convince yourself by her beauty that she's okay to talk to, that she is okay to associate with, that she's okay to go into. I want you to see her pleasure this morning. Sin is, has a pleasure. And it may only be for a short season, but there is pleasure in Delilah. She must have been a very beautiful woman. I not only see her pleasure, but I see her place. The Bible said that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. Now, if you read and study about this valley here, you'll find that it was a very unusual place. Most commentators would tell you that they don't even know where this place is at, that it cannot be located. They don't understand the history of it. Now, there's some real smart guys out there that try to explain it away and, and tell you, but most commentators say that you can't even, you say, preacher, what are you trying to say? Well, not only does sin have pleasure, but sin seems to come from the most unusual places. You would think in an atmosphere such as the Bible Baptist Church with a pastor such as Brother Ricky Gravely and all the preaching that goes on here and the atmosphere of Jubilee. But honey, you'll be surprised what will be toted into Jubilee this week. You'll be surprised what people's hiding in their life, what people's hiding in their car, in their home, in their life, in their ministry. I'm telling you, sin comes from a very unusual place. Again, when you study this place, you scratch your head and wonder how how did he even find uh, such a woman? But then you look around and see people that sing in the choir and testify and claim to love God and all of a sudden out of nowhere, sin has took hold of their life. Sin has captivated them and sucked them in uh, and you wonder how in the world could it be possible? Very strange place. And then I see her person, her person. Her name is Delilah, which means to extinguish or to impoverish. By all indications, it seems as though Delilah, if she's not a Philistine, she's in association with them. And most commentators would agree that she maybe has some ties in into the Philistines, whether she is a full-blooded Philistine or not. But can I say, just in her name, we see her person to exhaust or to impair. See, sin, when it starts out, when we start to dabble in sin, it doesn't seem like that, you know, there's much going on. We're getting away with it. Everything is okay. But honey, in the end, uh, Delilah's plan is to pull all the life out of you that she possibly can get. I'm talking about from the very onset. Delilah's plan, uh, after she had coerced with the Philistines, uh, was to pull out of Samson that very thing that gave him power, that very thing that was helping him from the chapters before to defeat the Philistines and to be a conqueror for the glory of God. You hear me this morning, I know that sometimes you think, listen, if God if God spares you and I when we do fail, if God spares you and I when we do come short and in his mercy he shows us grace and he shows, that is not God allowing you and I to get away with sin. That is not God putting his stamp of approval alone sin. No, but it is God saying I love you and I'm showing you mercy and grace to help you and so that you might learn from your waywardness and your sin. Look at the children of Israel. God was not pleased and over and over again they doubted and they failed and they sinned against God and God was not pleased at all but he showed mercy to them. Can I say to you this morning you better know who she is. She is out to rip everything out of your life that is good and 
and godly and holy and righteous. She is out to leave you and perish and exhausted of anything God can use in your life. Her pleasure, her place, her person. But then I see her passion. I see her passion. You see, the Bible said right here that um, it came to pass afterward in verse number four that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek named Delilah. But you don't ever find where Delilah loved him back. Oh, sin paints a beautiful picture and how it draws you in and you think that sin is going to love you back like you love it. No, but I promise you this, when sin has used you up and pulled everything out of your life and has left you empty, it will walk away from you without any compassion, without any love. Sin will leave you laying on the side of the road, honey. I'm telling you, you hear me? Her passion was for herself, her own good in her own game. Uh, Samson had no chance. You listen to me this morning. I know you think you may be getting away with it. I know you think uh, that you, well, I've been preacher. You don't know. Yes, I don't know, but he does know. I want you to know that when sin has its way, it'll leave you broke on us. You may love what you're dabbling in. You may think you can't get victory, but I promise you, when it's said and done, sin's passion is to rob your life. I see her pleasure, her place, her person, her passion, but then I see her persuasion. Her persuasion. Watch verse number six. She said, um, And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me. Verse number 10. And uh, he, she said, Now tell me, I pray thee. Verse number 13. She said, Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. Verse number 16, I'll elaborate on these things in just a moment, but she said it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words. Not only her pleasure and her place, her person, her passion, but her persuasion. She constantly pressured Samson until he told her all his heart. See, for those of you that will be honest this morning, Delilah showed up at your house before you, while you were getting ready to come to church. And for those that will be honest this morning, Delilah has followed you around all week long. You couldn't wait for Jubilee to start because maybe it changes the course of your week and maybe, but I promise you, come tomorrow morning, Delilah's gonna be waiting on you when you get up. Delilah's gonna be waiting on you as you go to Jubilee. Delilah will be there to open the door for you and wink at you when you walk in the door. I want you to understand there is this persuasion. She is there to put pressure on him, to get out of him what the Philippians could not get out of him. I want you to know the devil's got more than one trick up his sleeve. He's got more than one tool in his bag. He knows how to get to you. Samson had a problem in his life. We all know that. But he, this pressure that's on him, this persuasion, you better be careful. I've watched a lot of people listen to the wrong person and it cost them. Given ear, given place to the devil. And before you know it, honey, he doesn't have one place. He's got your whole heart. He's got your entire life at his disposal. So then we're getting to know her name. I want you to notice her name 
is Delilah. There's this pressure that she brings into Samson's life, this persuading of him over and over. She is asking him to tell her. Can I just say a few things about this this situation with Delilah? Number one, I see this pressure that's upon him seems to be somewhat foolish when you look at it. In other words, it seems like everybody else, when they look at Delilah and her relationship with Samson, they scratch her head and wonder how can such a man like him who has such a touch of God on his life and that knows the power of God and the, and the place of God, how can someone like him be associated with some? It's like everybody else can see it but Samson. You ever been in that place? I mean, man, you know good and well when the man of God took the text, friend, that yeah, you can get some help out of it, but you know that God is back the dump truck up to somebody's pew and he's dumping every bit of it right there and they're back there shouting. I mean, listen, I'm all for shouting it on even if if you are the guilty party, but you know they ain't picking up what he's putting down. I mean, they're shoveling to the left, shoveling to the right. They're not putting anything in their heart. They're not getting help on their own. Everybody's scratching their head. They give an inventory. Preacher gives an invitation. That crowd never comes to an altar. They never pray. They never get right with anybody in the church. They go right back to living like they were, doing like they were. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Everybody else can see the foolish situation, but Samson. Can I say it seems to be foolish that she would ask such a blatant request of him? Sin does not care. She said, hey, I mean, it, I don't know how far they are into this relationship, Brother David, but I mean, it don't seem long. And she said, I need to know something. Tell me where your power's at. And she's not asking so she can have the same power. She's asking so she can rob him of it. Tell me where your power's at. I want to know where you pay. You know what the devil's after this morning? He's after that power that's attached to your life. Not your power, but the power that's been put in you by the presence and the person of the Holy Ghost of God. That's what he's after. We're living in a generation that don't know anything about the power of God. I was listening to Brother Jimbo Seaton preach this morning as we were getting ready for church and he got on that thing about this generation not knowing anything about the will of God, having a passion for the will of God. We're also living in a generation that has no idea about the power of God. I want your power, she said. Tell me how to get it. I mean, it seemed foolish that she would even ask such a request, but sin don't care what it's asking. Are you kidding? I mean, listen, friend, we are living in the most blatant, sin-soaked society we have ever lived in. People do not care how they live anymore. People used to try to cover up their sin. They would keep their sin at home. They didn't broadcast their sin. But now with social media and any point, I mean, they just forget about social media. They go out in public. I mean, just go to Walmart, go to the mall. I mean, it's unbelievable how people live. It seems foolish not only that she would ask such a question, but it seems foolish that Samson would continue to entertain such a question. <laughs> I mean, you would think after the first time, he would say, wait a minute. I don't need to be here. We're not jiving here. I mean, you're a beautiful woman, but I mean, I cannot tell you what you just asked me. Oh, you know what he keeps doing? Laying his head in her lap. He just keeps laying down. He just keeps giving in. He just keeps carrying on the conversation. Listen to me. One day, it's going to be more than a conversation. One day, it's going to take hold of your life. One day, you're not going to be able to get up anymore.
for. It's foolish that he even entertains the, the question. It also seems foolish that Samson would be so flippant with the gift that God had bestowed upon him. He seems to be playing with the gift. I mean, read the story. Go back and read it later on today and just read. It won't take you long to read these few chapters about Samson's life and, and, and just he seems to be playing, especially when he gets here with Delilah. He seems to just be playing with the power of God. I mean, can I just say it again? The God's power saved you. And God's power is keeping you. And if you're gonna serve him, you're gonna have to serve him not in your power, but in his power. But honey, we've got a generation that has learned how to do it. We've got people that sing in their talent, that preach in their talent and personality. We've got hung up more on personality from the pulpit than any other generation. Most churches wouldn't know when a man really stands and preaches with the power of God. It's not about presentation and a man's style. Honey, it is about the power of Almighty God that is delivering that message through that servant. You hear me this morning? Samson was playing with his power. Foolish. Foolish. Seems to be somewhat foolish, this pressure. Everybody can see it, it seems like, but Samson... I would say, secondly, this pressure that she's putting, her name is Delilah. Did I tell you that? Delilah, that one who is there to impoverish, that one who is there to pull the life, to exhaust the life, the power of God out of you. Her name is Delilah. This Delilah not only shows, uh, seems to be somewhat foolish in his life, but she shows us a deep flaw in Samson's life. Can I just say this to you before we point fingers at Samson and blame him for those things that seem to be a flaw and a weakness of his life or in his life, we would do ourselves well to make sure that we go to the mirror and make sure we examine our own life. Man, it is so easy to point out everybody else's faults and everybody else's mistakes and everybody else's weaknesses, but I'm telling you what Delilah does in Samson's life. We all know he's got a woman problem. Can we just say it? Samson's got a woman problem. He had a woman problem from the beginning when you're introduced to Samson. He said, hey, mom and dad, there's this girl down there and I know she don't belong in my life and I know she's not of the will, but I want her. And every association Samson had with women was the wrong kind. I mean, I could spend the whole sermon preaching on that, but I want you to understand there's a deep flaw in his life. And I'm not saying every man's flaw is a woman, but you mark this down. There is a Delilah for every man. And and ma'am, even though I'm preaching it to the men that way, I want you to know there, there, there is a man for that. There is a Delilah for every person's life. This flaw, it brings out this flaw in Samson's life. Isn't it amazing how at times God, when we get to thinking too much of ourselves, we get to being a little flippant with the power of God in our life, get to being flippant with our testimony, flippant with our Christian life. We're not guarding it. We're not uh, in our Bible. We're not, but we think we're something. You know, we come to church and we parade around and we know how to put on a show and say the right things, lift our hand at the right time. Some people, I love the people who cry on the spot. 
I wish I could do that. I just can't do it, man. I, I just, I mean, they can turn the tears on. I mean, you think they're really spiritual, but man, ain't it, ain't it, ain't it funny at times how God has a way of bringing up a Delilah situation in your life just to show you and me how flawed we are? You need to understand when you read your Bible that there's one perfect man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. And I've got heroes that I like to read after and men who, uh, who that God has brought to the surface of my heart and showed me some things about my life. But I understand this, uh, even your heroes and even in this life, heroes are heroes, yes, and we all need them. But I want you to understand there is one perfect man who our lives should be patterned after and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. He was flawless. He still is flawless. But every man outside of him, we all have a flaw that we better guard ourselves against. You know what it is this morning. You don't have to duck your head and, and listen to the, the person. So you say, well, preacher, if I, if I say man, everybody's going to think I'm, you're talking to me. That's fine because I'm talking to you and the person sitting next to you. We all have a flaw. Whether your neighbor says amen or not, everybody's got a flaw. Now, not everybody will admit it. But the people that will not admit it are the people that are going to sink because of it. You better learn what your flaw is, recognize what your flaw is, and guard yourself against it. Let me hurriedly say this to you. This, this thing with Delilah seems to be a foolish situation in his life. It shows us a deep flaw in Samson's life. But this association with her and this pressure from her, it is a sure and faithful thing in Samson's life. I've already brushed this and I'll, I'll just move on and give you the last point here briefly. But I, what I want to say, this sure and faithful thing, she just didn't ask him one time. Now, if you want to really live for God, buckle up. I mean, if you really want the touch of God, you really want the power of God, you really want to be God's servant, you really want to be God's man, you really, ma'am, you really want to live for him and have the power of God on your life as a lady, I want you to understand, buckle up, because Delilah's not coming one time. She's not coming for one visit. She's not asking one time. Over and over and over and over again. Sure and faithful. Sure and faithful. I think it was Dr. Lee Robertson that told somebody one time, a young preacher asked him, I don't know him, and he was already, I think, in his 70s. And uh, a young preacher asked him, he said, preacher, he said, when do, when, when, when do I get past all this temptation? I, I get, when, when, when I get victory? He said, when I, he said, oh, he said, you'll have to ask somebody far older than me because I don't know anything about that. You know how long you're going to deal with Delilah? Until the day you die. I'll say this and I'll be done. This situation seems to be somewhat foolish. It, it shows us a deep flaw. It's sure and faithful in Samson's life. But can I say this to you? This situation with Delilah, it became a sad and faithful, faithful situation in Samson's life. A sad and faithful situation in Samson's life. It's sad and faithful in the fact that three things, number one, that he did not regard God's word with the reverence of what it deserved. 
He did not regard God's word. When you study, now through the text, I've already pointed it out to you just a little bit, but first of all, you'll see her words. Tell me, she said. Tell me, tell me, tell me. And the Bible goes on to say in verse 16, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words. I'm going to tell you what's going to get most people. It's not some big thing in your life. It is going to be sin convincing you of something in your life. You see, there's her words, tell me, tell me, tell me. Then there's his words. The Bible said in verse 17, and he told her all his heart. There's his words. He starts opening up to her. He starts telling her things she, never, she does not deserve to know. But then there's God's word. If you go back to chapter 13, in, verses number th- in verse number 3, chapter 13, verse number 3, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then there's God's word. There's God's word. And Samson even alludes to that in verse number 17. He said, uh, he said, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. I've been shaven and my strength will go for me. If I be shaved, my strength will go for me and I shall become weak. He said, and be like any other man. So there's her words, there's his word, but then there's God's word. And this thing, this thing of the faithful, this thing of being sad and faithful, I don't think Samson, I mentioned this to you earlier, I don't think Samson ever lived up to what God had intended for his life. I'm just saying this, you know I love this place and I don't think I have to explain that to you and I've got friends here, but I don't care if I would say this in my own church, I say it here and anywhere else. You ask your preacher, he preaches almost every week of his life, but you hear me, friend, there are people sitting in churches all over this country who are never going to live up to the potential that God has in store for their life. I scratch my head. I do not believe that Samson was this muscle-bound maniac. You know, he drank muscle milk every morning, worked out six and seven, eight hours a day. And, you know, I mean, I just, whatever Brother Chris Hewitt's been doing and all this MMA stuff, I don't think he's been doing that. You're on the front. I don't think, I don't think he was this muscle-bound guy, wore wife beater, muscles bulging everywhere. No, 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 no. I think, obviously, his power came from God. I want to believe that he looked like maybe somebody like me, just an average guy, just an average Joe. But when God touched him, when the power of God came on him, he was able to do unusual things for the glory of God. Is that not what the Christian life is? The Christian life is God taking a bunch of nobodies and making them somebody to tell everybody about the great somebody that will save you. We're just nobodies, but with the touch of God, uh, the unusual touch of God, we can be anything for his glory. Samson never lives up to his full potential, but I wonder, am I... Am I really living up to my full potential? Is there too many Delilahs in my life that's keeping me from living up to the potential that God wants me to live up to? 
He did not esteem, he did not regard God's Word with reverence. He knew what God's Word said. You ask your preacher. You talk to somebody on a personal level and you say, well, wait a minute, I just preached on that. Well, wait a minute, here's what the Bible says. They'll look you in your God-given eyeball knowing what the Bible says and they'll still go do their sin. They'll still go see Delilah. They'll still lay their head in their lap. They'll still go to her house. To whom much is given, much shall be required. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. A church like this, there's going to be a lot required of the folks that sit at Bible Baptist Church. This ain't some fly-by-night pulpit and some fly-by-night preacher and some fly-by-night camp meeting and this some fly-by-night place. No, you get the Bible here, friend. You get preaching here. You get old-time religion here. You get the power of God here. You get the presence of God and there's gonna be a high accountability for those of us who know the word of God. I would say, secondly, this sad situation, this fateful situation It comes by the fact that he did not realize what a great resource he had lost. The Bible says that this last time when Samson began to tell her all of his heart, she made him sleep. And you know what the Bible said? He awoke out of his sleep in verse 20 and said, I'll go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wished not that the Lord was departed from him. It's so sad in the fact that he did not realize what a great resource he lost. Do you realize, I'm going to tell you something, friend, this morning. God knows my heart, and I'm not trying to say something, you know, I'm I'm trying to be careful, but I, I want you to understand something. To try to live the Christian life without his touch, to try to do what I'm doing without his touch, to try to live for him knowing there is no power there, that for whatever reason, because I relished Delilah more than I relished him, because I thought more of her than I thought of him, because I wouldn't give up that thing with Delilah in my life, that I was willing to give up his touch, I was willing to give up his power. I'm telling you, there is nothing like his hand. There is nothing like his voice. There is nothing like his power. There is nothing like his presence. There is nothing like his touch. I'm telling you, I'm looking at a generation of folks that are looking back at me at times uh, and you can tell that what I'm preaching ain't seeking in. Uh, Honey, they've got Delilah's all in their life and the hand of God is backed off and they don't even realize it. We don't even realize it in our churches, uh, in our camp meetings. Uh, We don't realize it. God's pulled his hand up. America don't even realize. They think they can sin and kill babies and commit adultery and still sing God bless America and expect God, it ain't happening, it ain't happening. He's pulled his hand off. He's pulled his hand off. He didn't realize, so sad that he didn't realize what a great resource he had lost. And I would say to you that it's sad and it's fateful because he did not really, and I mentioned this, he did not really live up to the potential that God had fully intended for his life. I don't know who's here or what's here. But I know this, that God has a plan. And He has a will for every single individual in this auditorium. And for every person that will come in from all over this country this week, He has a perfect will for their life. Don't cash it in for some Delilah situation. 
for some, some, some sin named Delilah. Sin's got a lot of names. Just happens to be Delilah in this text. Many shapes, forms, and fashions does sin come into our life. But right here it comes as a woman, comes by the name of Delilah. Never lived up. 20 years he judged Israel. I wonder how long he could have. I mean, man, all them, you know, if John Morgan was here preaching when he tied those foxes together and set them firebrands in there, I'd tell you what Brother Morgan would preach on. Some telltale signs you're on fire for God. Some of y'all will get that. <laughs> I mean, on fire. Potential. I mean, look, I mean, just it's unusual how God touched his life. Don't you want that? His touch. God's touch. His presence in your life. You say, well, preacher, what do we do? Number one, by all means, stay away from Sorek. Again, I can't even tell you where it's located, but you know where you shouldn't be. Any unusual place that don't look right, smell right, sound right, anything that appeals to your flesh and not the inner man, not the spiritual man, stay away from it. And I would say this to you. You know what he ultimately did, Brother Barnes? He got comfortable in her lap. When you start getting comfortable with sin, it won't be long sin will conquer you. He got comfortable. He got comfortable. Throw this in right here. I don't know why the Lord wants me to say it. But you hear me. Don't ever get comfortable. Mom and dad, I don't care if they're 20, 21, 25. If they live in your house, I still believe in courting, not dating. Okay, I need to preach 30 minutes right there. I said, I still believe in court and not dating. You say, oh, that's just a play on word. No, it ain't. Dating means you just throw them out there, let them go out and do whatever they want to. Courting means you, they got a chaperone. They're watched. You know why? You say, why is it important? Because if you're not careful, they'll get comfortable being around each other. Before you know it, that space that was out here becomes in here. And all of a sudden, then they got their arm around each other and they're holding hands. Then they're giving each other sugar and then... Comfortable. See, it's just one country song, and all of a sudden you got that station set over there where nobody in your family knows about it. But when you get in the car, you hit that, and then you turn it, and it's just now it's something all the time. You've not listened to a Christian song in a long time. You know why? Because you've got comfortable again with that old beat and that old life and that old sound and that old draw. Yeah, you won't turn the channel, will you? Because you've got comfortable with all the nudity and you've got comfortable with the cussing and you've got com- you can't even watch commercials anymore. But see, you get comfortable with it. Samson just kept laying his head in her lap and finally it cost him. It may not cost you the first time you lay down, but he got comfortable. Don't ever get comfortable. That's right. When it comes to Delilah. 
Preacher, I'm done. Thank you.